when one person changes the pattern, the way we interact, the other person will do their very best to try to get you to fall back into the old pattern. They'll try everything to get you to go back to giving in or yelling in response because the new way feels weird. It's different. They don't know what to do with it. It sets them off balance. It's uncomfortable. This isn't how we interact. I don't like this. I don't know what to do with this. Okay, no, that's going to be the reaction, but you're going to stay the course because you want to change this pattern. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So this week, I have a question from a parent who is really struggling, and I know she's not alone. So I'm going to cover her question this week. Amanda wrote in and she said, hi, Erin. I really love your podcast and the way you share not just your guidance, but you let us into your life as a mom too. I desperately need your help. We've gotten into such a bad place with my eight-year-old daughter. She is very strong-willed. She just won't listen. She is so disrespectful to me and honestly just downright rude and defiant. I know I set this pattern up and allowed it to continue, so I take full responsibility. Now it's so ingrained, I have no idea how to turn this around. As an example, she loves to mix kitchen ingredients to experiment with creating her own recipes, which I think is amazing. But yesterday, I was so tired and I had so much to do, I didn't want to deal with the mess that she makes, especially with the flour. I tried to tell her no and explain why. She proceeded to get everything out anyway and completely defy me. I just want her to listen when I say no. How do I change this pattern I've gotten us into where she is in charge instead of me? Please help, Amanda. So Amanda, thank you for sharing your story and being vulnerable with not just me, but everyone in the audience. And I'm sure you're not alone. So many parents suffer in silence. So by sharing, you're helping many other parents as well. I'm probably not surprising anyone when I say that the longer a pattern goes, the harder it can be to break, especially when other people are involved. And we only have control over the behavior of one person, ourselves. So we may change our behavior, but what happens with the other people, in this case, our kids, is they'll often dig in deeper. They'll double down. And I share this not to make anyone feel discouraged, but just to prepare you. The better you're prepared and know what's coming, the better you will be ready to handle it. So for your daughter, Amanda, or any other child who had a lot of control, it's not just a pattern. This works for them. They get to do what they want, even when a parent says no. So they're not going to want to give that up easily. So I first like to talk about the why. Why do we want our kids to listen and respect our decision when no means no? I mean, after all, isn't tenacity and perseverance a great quality? Of course it is. But our kids need to learn when and how to persevere and when it's smarter and safer to accept no. First, Our main job is to lead and guide our kids on how to create and maintain healthy habits, skills they need to do well in the world, and that means working well with others, listening to other people's ideas, sharing their own ideas, needs, and feelings in an emotionally intelligent manner, and listening to others share them and compromise. Now, most importantly, it's to keep them safe. So just that alone, when we say you cannot go to that party or 
I get a bad feeling about that person. I don't want you hanging out with them. We need to feel confident that our kids will listen to us. We need to build that foundation early on. We need to know that they trust us, that they trust our leadership. And so these are these situations where we get to set this up. When they work in a group on a school project or later on in their career, success relies upon those who can listen to others to cooperate and negotiate well, especially for leaders. If you read any book or research on what makes a successful leader, qualities like empathy and listening are at the top of that list. In all their future relationships as well, with friends or romantic partners, they need to learn how to listen to their partner's needs and how to honor their partner, their friends, and to compromise. So these are really imperative life skills and they start at home. Now for me, understanding all of this helps me stay firm with my kids when they push back when I see it as a chance to teach them these skills and habits that will serve them long-term. It's not just, ugh, I just want to get out of this as quickly as possible. It makes it a lot easier for me to stay the course when I can see the long-term benefits of it. Now, I know I talk about tennis a lot. I apologize to those who are not familiar with the sport, but it just brought something to mind that I hear my son's coach say a lot. And he says, you can't be in a hurry to end the point just because you're tired. So what happens in tennis when a player gets impatient, they don't get set up properly. They don't get to the ball. They don't get set up. They don't turn their shoulder. They don't hit through the ball. And they end up mishitting, mistiming, overhitting the ball, not getting enough spin on it. They'll end up hitting it out of the court. They'll end up hitting into the net rather than staying patient and waiting for the right opportunity to win the point. The best players stay focused, especially when they're tired, and they stay patient and wait for the right opportunity. Now, I'm not saying interactions with our kids are like a game or a point we're trying to win, but there are some similarities here. So that's why I bring it up. Staying focused when we're tired and we just want to end this confrontation, it's very similar. In parenting, the patterns we often see are these two. Parent is is done and in an effort to quote unquote end the point and the confrontation is either. They just give in, just give up the point. Fine. Do whatever you want. You're going to do it anyway. I'm tired. I don't want to fight you on it, right? Play with the baking ingredients, make a mess, wear those shoes today, even though I told you they're for the wedding next week, bug me to buy those Pokemon cards until I give in, or we get super fed up and we're done and we get really firm, but put our foot down and then we start yelling. I'm done discussing this. No is no. You have to learn to respect me when I say no, we're done, right? And then we didn't really play through the point. We didn't really see it to its fruition. We didn't hear out our child's needs. We didn't discuss our needs, right? We didn't have that discussion, that communication so that we can negotiate and problem solve together. So I shared a similar experience between myself and my daughter. I think it was just the last episode when I was tired. I was done for the day. I was getting impatient with how ridiculously long the day had already gotten. It's 830. I'm in bed and she comes in and needed more from me. And in fear, that she was going to ask me to help her remake the food for her potluck that we had just finished and the dog got into. I got impatient and I ended the point by blaming her for leaving the food out on the counter rather than listening to her frustration and problem solving with her. So the point is when we have these as a pattern, when we have these like consistently where we're consistently giving in or we're overhitting, right? We're going too hard and we're just saying we're done. We're not talking about it anymore. When we have these as regular patterns, we want to change them. We want to lead the way so that the common pattern is a respectful exchange, listening, empathizing, sharing, but in the end, being able to set healthy boundaries with our kids 
and them being able to accept them in a respectful way. They don't have to be happy about it, right? They don't have to be all smiley. Great, mom, no problem, right? They can be not thrilled about it, but they should be respectful about it, right? Not calling names, slamming doors and stomping out of the room. So I admit it is much easier to set these habits up earlier in toddlerhood when they're two or three. When we say we aren't gonna play with that toy right now, we can put it up or we can secure things in a way that they just can't get to things. We don't want them playing with unless we help them, unless we say yes. So we say no, we explain, we offer a substitute and a time when we can play with that toy. So long as we set ourselves up for success and make the toy unavailable unless we get it for them, they're physically incapable of defying the no. If it's time to leave the park or the play date and we give them a heads up, we're leaving in five minutes, start wrapping up. We're leaving in two minutes, right? Give them those those couple of warnings. Then if your toddler defies you, you give the respectful choice that you can come on their own or you'll have to pick them up and you can do it. Now, no one wants to drag an eight-year-old out of a birthday party. So when we get desperate, we start throwing out consequences to get compliant. And sometimes it works and many times it doesn't, especially if you have a very strong-willed child. And then often these consequences are unrelated. Now, in order to change the pattern around, we have to get really creative and cunning and not in a bad way but it's a lot more work the older they get. I'm gonna walk through this. So I wish I had some more examples for Amanda because I could help walk through specific scenarios on how to start creating different patterns of interacting for each one, but we're gonna talk about the baking scenario. And then I'm gonna use another example from another parent that that I coached a while back that is also, I think, helpful. So first, think it through before you say no. And I say this because if you say no first, and then you cave, it's a lot worse than just saying yes in the beginning. So think it through. Is this a boundary I'm willing to stay strong on right now? Do I have the time and the energy to set the boundary and stay strong? I really don't want to deal with the mess. And I'm going to say no, and I'm going to mean it. And that's when we focus on the why for the long term. The skills we're teaching our kids to accept people's needs and desires too. It's not just about the mess. If there are specific exchanges that are always a battle or a common battle you're having lately. So in Amanda's case, it's the kitchen experiment messes. You're going to get proactive. You're going to make a plan to set yourself up for easier success. So yours may be bedtimes. It may be getting ready in the morning. You're going to get proactive and think about how you're, you're going to walk through this differently, how you're going to set your boundaries and how you're going to walk through it. But I'm going to talk about it with this scenario with Amanda so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. So. I would consider making the baking ingredients off limits just for now until the pattern gets turned around. What I mean by off limits is putting them away in a place where she cannot get to them without your permission. You're going to hide them. You're going to lock them up in such a way she can't get to them unless you unlock them or pull them down or take them out from wherever you're keeping them right now. Now, there's many ways to do this. You can hide them in containers. You can put them all in one container or a bin that you lock up. I know this feels inconvenient. So whatever it is, sometimes it's going to be inconvenient at first until we work through. It may take a couple of weeks or a month, month at the most. And then you can go back to the way things were and you've set some boundaries and then they're following through and you have a much different pattern in your house. With this scenario, but countless others, taking these steps will make it a lot easier for you as a parent and honestly for your child who needs to learn how to respect boundaries and rules. So whatever common battle you may be having, you want to sit down, Think about exactly how you want to handle it, exactly what your answer will be so you're ready to stick to it. 
over time, the pattern will shift. Then the baking goods can be more accessible. Secondly, let go of feeling responsible for your child's reaction, for their emotions. I'm going to talk about why this is healthy and how to do that when we get back right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads. Love where you live. Now that we're back, I'm discussing letting go of feeling responsible for your child's feelings. So I know I've talked about this in previous episodes about people pleasing. Feeling responsible for someone else's feelings is people pleasing. It's codependent. We are responsible to our children to teach them how to recognize, process, and share their emotions, to be there to listen to them and help them through them. We are not responsible for them getting upset about not getting their way. In order to learn how to do this, they need opportunities to experience and work through difficult emotions. So if we can think of these times as giving them the opportunity to need to practice while we're still there to support and guide them through processing and sharing their emotions, then we're doing a great job. 
So what does this look like in this scenario? Now, you don't have to make the ingredients unavailable. I just recommend it because if you're busy with another child or you're working on the computer or you're going to the bathroom, whatever you're doing, and your child decides they want to engage in their kitchen experimentation and they're already in there getting the, the ingredients out and they're used to bowling you over, the not today, they're going to do it anyway. Okay. But if you've got them put away where they can't get to them, it gives you a buffer. It alleviates the battle of having to put the items back away after they've already started pulling them out. It's like a tug of war. They're already kind of pulling over, you know, what is the, the kind of the knot in the middle. They're pulling it over the center line pretty good there for already getting into the ingredients when you've said no. It's like they're already like starting to pull on that on that rope and they're already kind of getting some momentum. So in order to, to keep that momentum, I strongly recommend keeping them in a way they don't have access to it. Okay, so you set the boundary in your own mind and out loud. We are not playing with the kitchen ingredients today. I have a meeting starting in 30 minutes and we won't have time to clean up before dinner. Boundary, respectful explanation. Even if it's a no because you're too tired to deal with the mess, it's still a boundary and it's still a respectful explanation. It's more than fair to not want to have to deal with cleaning up more mess right before dinner or anytime. Now, I could take us down a crazy rabbit hole here, but I feel like I need to dig into this a little bit further because we are all a culmination of our past experiences and our feelings about them. If we have a hard time saying no, there's a reason why. So I wouldn't be doing a good job if I didn't mention that it's really important to start figuring out why and addressing this. If you really struggle to say no to your kids or anyone for that matter, why? If you didn't grow up with healthy give and take, you don't know what that looks like. It took a long time to learn this and I still am. So just know most of us, especially women, tend to err on the side of saying yes to our own detriment, right? Giving too much of ourselves to our own detriment. So just as an example, there could be any number of other reasons, but let's just say you grew up with a parent who was rarely available, who always said no to everything you wanted to do. So you swore you would be a different parent. You would allow your child to explore and experiment and enjoy your time with them as much as possible. To you, this is what love would feel like. So saying no to your child feels like denying love. Reaching this realization is the first step because then you can challenge it. You can change the narrative. You can think about how much you do spend time, how much you do say yes, but also you can then understand that there's a balance and that love is teaching my child how to work through tough feelings when she can't always have her way. Love is setting an example of what setting healthy boundaries looks like. Love is a lot more than making life comfortable for everyone else but me because our children will take after us and they will give in to people the way that we give in to them later on. Or they may just be the one that bowls everybody else over. Either way, it's not going to be a balanced dynamic. So we want to teach them a balanced dynamic. So I think it's important to get underneath what's behind our own behavior. Bring the unconscious conscious, then we can change it. So you've set the boundary. You've given a respectful explanation. You may or may not have deeper reasons why holding a boundary is hard for you. But if so, you've made yourself aware of the pattern and why and come to terms with the reasons why changing this pattern is even more loving than continuing in the old pattern. So now you have to test your mettle. You're going to practice being responsible to teach your children how to process their feelings, not for the feelings they have about your decision. I can see you're very disappointed. I know it's fun to experiment and we can spend some time experimenting with new recipes this weekend. Right now, you could do an internet search and learn more about what ingredients do in a recipe. 
You could search for some recipes you want to try this weekend, or you could find a fun baking show and watch an episode. Then you're going to stick with that message. Now, what often happens, I already shared this, right? Be the kids or adults, when one person changes the pattern, the way we interact, the other person will do their very best to try to get you to fall back into the old pattern. They'll try everything to get you to go back to giving in or yelling in response because the new way feels weird. It's different. They don't know what to do with it. It sets them off balance. It's uncomfortable. This isn't how we interact. I don't like this. I don't know what to do with this. Okay, no, that's going to be their reaction, but you're going to stay the course because you want to change this pattern, right? They may be angry. They may even throw insults. This is not uncommon. Know that it's meant to try to pull you back to the old pattern. It's their way of saying, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable with this. I don't know how to say that, right? Kids are not going to be good at saying that. A lot of adults aren't good at saying that. What are you doing, right? You're changing. I don't like this. They, they try to pull you back into the old patterns because those are their patterns. So you want to stay away from then getting into the battle about that behavior because now you're battling two different things, right? You don't want to go into the, that's not nice. That hurts my feelings. That may be very true, right? You can deal with this at a different time or a different place. You can talk about it later. You can coach them later. They're angry right now. So it's not trying to guide that isn't really going to work. All you're going to do is hold your boundary. As an adult, you're going to understand it's anger, it's frustration, talking, not true feelings. And it just becomes a distraction. It opens you up for falling back into your patterns. You're going to stay in charge. I can see you're really angry with me. And you're not used to me saying no and sticking to it. And I know this is hard. I gave you a respectful reason. You don't have to like it, but you do need to accept it. Let me know when you decide what you'd like to do instead. Then the other thing you can do, if it just keeps going, is to use a logical negative consequence. So in the classes on the website, I talk about consequences as a last resort. So you want to keep them as a last resort. You want to give your child a chance to work through their feelings, showing empathy, labeling feelings, offering ideas of ways to work through the feelings. You're going to use choices. You're going to use coaching. Like I said, the choices of other things to do. And these are working on the current exchange. This is working on right now. But once you get to consequences, we're working on next time. So this is why this is a last resort. We want to give every opportunity to work on this time. But then there's a point where enough is enough. And it's like, okay. Now we need to talk about next time. So that's what a consequence is. Sometimes when we've exhausted opportunities to improve the behavior, then we need to move to next time. I've given you a lot of opportunity to work through this. I've offered you some pretty good alternative options, but it's not okay to yell and scream at me. So if you do it again, we won't be able to do any recipe experiments on Saturday either. So this is where I'm talking about staying the course. You're just gonna stay in charge. You're gonna stay in charge of the boundary. You're going to stay in charge of your calm, staying calm. I understand you're upset. I understand you're angry. It's not okay to yell at me. It's not okay to call me names. And setting those boundaries pretty strong. In an exchange, animals, including humans, will hit what we call an extinction burst. So they will push and push and push. And it kind of reaches this apex. And right before they give up, there is, they pull out all the stops. They may get very loud, very angry. And then it's an extinction burst and then it just drops way off. So you may see that. You may or may not. But if you have a very perseverant child, you will probably see the extinction burst. And once you get through that, then you have already started to break this pattern. So one more quick example, because I think it might be a helpful illustration. And I was working with a dad. 
He had a lot of difficulty saying no to his little girl. I think she was, she was in preschool. She was four or five. She was very strong-willed personality. She knew what she wanted. She wanted what she wanted. She was very good about digging in until she got it. And dad was a very chill guy. So it was very difficult for him because he doesn't understand this personality type, right? And he sometimes had a really good reason for setting a boundary, but he found the confrontations exhausting and he hates confrontation. He also shared with me and said it was just easier to give in most of the time, but he wanted to learn how to say no and mean it. And one of the incidences we talked about was when his daughter wanted to take the truck to school and he wanted to take the car. She got very insistent. So he went back inside, got the keys to the truck and drove her to school. So we broke it down. We talked about thinking through, like I said, the answer before giving it, whether or not no was just a reaction because he already had the car keys or if there was a logical reason why he didn't want to take the truck. And he said the truck takes a lot of gas and her preschool was 20 minutes away. So unless he needed the truck for an actual errand after he dropped her off, he felt like taking the truck was wasteful and expensive. Okay, that's a legitimate reason. So we talked about how he could get more resolute in his answer and stand by it. You know, he can give her the explanation. She's probably not going to understand it. That's okay. That is his reason. It's a very good reason. So as I shared in the beginning, a no first and then a yes is far worse than just saying yes right off the bat. Otherwise, we teach our kids no means yes. We teach them to argue with us until we change our mind, right? We just teach them to get more resolute. We're, We're actually working completely against what we're trying to do. So we discussed saying no, sticking by it, and the language to use. I know you like the truck because you get to sit up high and see out the windows, and that's really fun. But the truck is much more expensive to operate. Today, we're taking the car. I do need to pick up some lumber in town soon so we can take the truck tomorrow. I know I've also mentioned this before, but it's really good and it's worth repeating. My riding instructor says, expect much, get much, meaning that as a rider, when you ask the horse for whatever it is that you're wanting the horse to do, whether it's a trot, a canter, a backup, a side pass, you go in with the attitude that your horse is going to respond to what you're asking. The confidence is everything because when you're confident, you present your response differently. I can feel it in my body. When I doubt my horse will respond, when I doubt myself, she doesn't respond. She can feel it in me. She can feel it in my legs. I tighten up. She can feel it in my seat. And she's like, I'm not listening to you. You aren't confident. If you aren't confident, I can't trust you to lead me. So I'm not going to follow you. And kids are no different. If you feel confident, if you give your answer and expect respect in your leadership, expect much, get much, you are a thousand times more likely to get it. So I've been working really hard on something for the past two months, and this can be life-changing for some of you. I'll be sharing more information on my Instagram at Your Village Online and my Facebook accounts, Facebook slash Your Village Inc. over the coming weeks. So be sure to follow me on one or both of those to get regular updates. I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving holiday, everyone who celebrates. Thanks so much for listening and see you in a couple weeks.